Welcome back to Worldview Matters. This is Ross and my cohort, Bob. Bob, great to be with you. Looking forward to today. We've got a lot to talk about. Me too, Ross. I appreciate you, uh, just your heart for helping us to be people who think strategically and think rightly. Well, if there's ever a time to do that, now is the time. I mean, all time is, but what we see now is a, a tremendous diversion of the thinking process of people. We see people going in wild and crazy directions. You know, we we took a couple of weeks off from the New Age discussion we were having and talked about Easter and the, and the reality of the resurrection. I think it was very important to do that because without the resurrection, Christianity is a hollow uh, it's only a religion. It's not a faith. It's not a person. But with the resurrection, it is it is critical and on point. Well, I think those were very important shows that we did, and I hope that our listeners, if they haven't been able to go back and um, and access those, will because, as you say, uh, there's either either Christ was raised from the dead, which gives us all hope for being raised from the dead one day. Or he wasn't, and uh, and it, and if he wasn't, then everything that Christianity believes is really just a house of cards. It collapses on itself. But you know, Ross is kind of interesting because we've been talking about, in some ways, about individual worldviews, but we've also been talking about how how Western civilization has sort of gone through transitions of worldviews, and it's kind of ironic because the topic that we've uh, when we talk about the topic of the new age, in a sense, Ross, we've kind of come back full circle uh, uh, into in Western thought because you know uh, our, our modern dating system. Uh, we're in the year 2013 A.D. Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Everything that's Westernized uh, dates uh, dates from Christ birth and his life and, of course, his resurrection. but and, and the worldview has been shaped by that in the West. It's incredible how the church for 1,500, 1,600 years was the dominant worldview. Uh, biblical theism um, manifested through the church was the dominant worldview, replacing an old paganism, uh, Greco-Roman pantheism, which was built upon Babylonian and Egyptian uh, paganism. But what's happened, Ross, is that we've come full circle because the New Age is really nothing but neo-paganism. It's the old paganism, but it's got a new face. It's been dressed up, cleaned up. It's got some scientific garb on it, but it's the same old religion that Christianity replaced back 2,000 years ago. So, boy, we're, we're in a pivotal place right now, I think, in history and also maybe in our culture, for sure. Well, worldview and diverse worldviews are really affecting everything that's happening to us today. I mean, it, it, in, it invades our political system or it defines our political various political systems, economic systems, uh, philosophical thinking process. And so as, as we've become more global, we see the diverse ways that people are thinking across the globe. 
And really that fits in, I think, to what you're saying about the, this new age movement, because it, it in and of itself has permeated the thinking all across the globe. You know what's so amazing about that is, you know, the thing that's in the news before us right now is uh, all the hullabaloo with North Korea. And, you know, that's going to probably it's going to stay around. But it's also, you know, the particular crisis we're facing right now will probably abate in a similar way that we see some of the crises in the Middle East uh, emerging and then abating, etc. They're going to get probably worse and worse until history comes to some kind of a close. But what's interesting about all this is we've been talking about the fact that the Eastern worldviews have merged West. At the same time, Western worldviews have merged East. And so there's this mixing. Some of the responses of the Chinese government to North Korea and what's happened, they haven't come out as strong as they probably need to, but it shows how Western thought has been influencing Eastern thought and vice versa. We're living in a very, very intriguing time in world history for all the reasons you just mentioned. Well, you know, China, the China situation with regard to North Korea, certainly there is no island anymore. And China is looking at it, I'm sure, not only militarily, but from an economic standpoint. And the last thing they want to do probably is get the U.S. engaged in a war in North Korea because economically that could impact them with all the money they have loaned to the U.S. And so oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You've, got a, you've got a witch's brew here. Yeah, we do, and it's going to be interesting to see how this, uh, this mix sort of manifests itself in the days ahead. These are both exciting days and they're very frightening days that we live in. But underneath all of this, as you and I continue to keep bringing our listeners back to, underneath all of the things that we see on the political uh, nation-state arenas, there are these worldviews, these thought systems that everybody has to, everybody's got one and we all filter the world and the reality through our the lens of our worldview. You know, in the Korean situation, I think you have another factor there. Uh, now you, you have a schoolyard bully who certainly did not do anything other than be his father's son to get where he is. And so he's got to exercise whatever strength he can exercise and show himself strong, uh, uh, to the world in some way. So he's rattling cages, probably to get money, but also to to show that he's one tough guy. So you've got that other emotional factor involved here. But probably down through the ages, there have been people like him uh, that that had to that had to be the bu- the schoolyard bully and show themselves strong. But you've got a, a witch's brew with a lot of different mixtures involved here uh, from a global standpoint. You're exactly right. Well, you know, talking about the the bully, every man, whether he's the head of a nation state or whether uh, he's living by himself in his mother and father's basement, uh, every man perceives himself as being in charge of his own reality, in charge of his own destiny. Uh, the difference, of course, is just in how much power we can wield, but all of us want to be gods. We all want to be in control of our world, if not the world. And that's part of the worldview that we as believers are willing to embrace. We see that every man, 
wants to supplant God in his own heart, in his own life. And, you know, whether that's at a, at a small level or at a macro international level, there's the same heart in every one of us. And as we're going to see as we kind of wrap up this uh, show on on the New Age, the, the foundation points of the New Age movement really include a place for us to be in control. And that's what's so diabolical about the New Age movement as opposed to a lot of the Eastern mysticism that they have sort of imported and grafted into this movement that's part now of Western culture. Well, Bob, let me ask you, is New Age a movement? Is it an ideology? Is it a religion? Is it an amalgamation of other religions? How would you define this New Age uh, movement today? Well, that's a great question. It really depends on who you talk to, because I, I like the term amalgamation. It really is kind of a blending together of naturalism as a worldview, of the Eastern mystical religions that we've talked about in the past, with animism, which is basically pantheism, uh, the idea that there are gods, a little g, a pantheon of gods. So in one sense, uh, the New Age movement is kind of a blending together of all of these three different worldviews. And depending on who you talk to and depending on where they're particularly coming from, there's a little bit of a, of a, of a mixture and a diverse perspective even within this, and let me use the term movement, because it still is a movement. It hasn't yet completely crystallized into a cogent, uh, symbiotic relig religion yet, although it is moving there more and more every year. And some people would already say it is a religion, but it's kind of interesting. The person on the street might not look at it yet as a religion, but it certainly is a worldview. And there's six, five or six different things, beliefs, that are embedded in this system that make it a very, a very uh, cogent worldview and one that we can talk about on this on this program. So the the tenets, there are six basic tenets. I think I hear you saying, and those tenets divide uh, define the larger view of naturalism or of the New Age movement. So is there consistency, before we get into those, is there a consistency of both understanding and belief of these six points, or are they points that simply have been extracted from the various components of belief within the New Age mo uh, movement? Well, I think if you were to, uh, to, you know, to line up ten people who are part of the thinking of the New Age, that are looking for as we talked about in our last show on this topic, the dawning of a new age, the age of Aquarius. And you lined 10 people up and gave them sort of a, a true-false quiz on what they believe. They might not agree on all six of these. They might put seven or eight, or there might be others. But, but as you look at it and as you extrapolate from all the teachings, in my opinion, and I, I'm not sure it's a humble opinion, but it's certainly my opinion, in my opinion, there are six beliefs that we, for the purpose of our show, we can sort of talk about and get our arms around. And the first one, Ross, is that all, everything is one. Okay, everything is one. Now, this is this is a, the philosophical idea of monism that uh, the material world and the immaterial world, even though they're different, they're all part of this one great 
cosmic oneness. So the, the first tenet is everything, everything is all integrated together as one great whole. Now, that's separate from biblical Christianity, for example, that says uh, God created the heavens and the earth, but he's separate from his creation. You see, what, you see where we're going with this? Right. His creation. New Age uh, book followers would say, no, it's all one. Everything is all kind of mixed in there together. It's important that you understand that because this is the influence of Eastern thought, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, many of the Eastern religions also hold on to the idea of everything being one. The second, I think, uh, differentiating tenet of the New Age movement is that not only is all one, all is God. Now, when I talk about God in this, in this sense, I'm not talking about a supreme being so much as we're talking about a force, the idea of a cosmic mind at large, that there's this, there's this shaping, manipulating force that controls things in this one universe. Now, that's important to understand that because, as we'll see later, there's an invitation to mankind to become part of that God force. Now, this is not anything new. Most people who talk about the force, you know, you're back to Star Wars theology there. You know, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, the, let the force be with you. That's the same idea behind this. The, the third tenet is that humanity, humanity is God. We, people, we can harness, we can be part of this cosmic force. We can become part of a universal mind. In fact, that is the ultimate uh, goal of the New Age movement, is to help us all become part of this God force that's out there, out there uh, in the universe, which we're all a part of. The, the fourth tenet, and this is one I think we might want to talk about, is that in order to get to this place of universal mind, a change in consciousness is needed. Uh, one of our other shows, we talked about Scientology, and there are a lot of other ologies or movements that are a part of the New Age movement that are all basically espousing the same thing. And that is that people have to have their mind or their consciousness altered. We've got to think outside the box of our own worldview and get to this larger worldview. Uh, and there's lots of different ways you can bring about this change of consciousness. Some of them they'll charge you a fee for, as in Scientology. Others, you know, you can just get it in a different way. But there, there's lots of different ways of talking about this change of consciousness, uh, becoming part of the universal mind. We're talking about this, uh, this change in consciousness that, that we have to have to be able to be part of this new age identity or new age movement. And so there are different ways to bring about that change of consciousness. Uh, one of them is through meditation. Uh, unfortunately for a lot of people, meditation is a little bit too slow. It takes discipline and focus, and a lot of folks don't want to do that. So a, a second way of altering your consciousness, and Ross, you and I were alive back in the 60s. We remember Timothy Leary and his, uh, his more than an invitation, it was a, a suggestion that drugs— uh, can alter your mind. They have 
That was the dropout and uh, light up and whatever I think it was. Yeah. And, and it was it was uh, it was champion. Drugs weren't to be uh, outlawed; they were to be championed. The whole LSD experience was part of that. Here's what's a little bit troubling for me personally: um, is I, there's a new form of of altering your consciousness that's available today that was not available back in the back in the 60s and that's entering into a virtual reality in cyberspace uh, there are many many people that are going online and becoming part of larger communities uh, where they lose themselves and they become actually someone else in these cyber worlds they have an avatar that's part of that. And this is now being, um, in fact, this is called by Doug Grucius, one of the thinkers of uh, Behind Worldview. He actually calls this techno-shamanism. It's the idea that people can enter into this altered reality on the Internet. Now, I know a lot of our listeners, or some of our listeners, may be playing online games or be part of uh, some kind of an avatar experience. I'm not saying, just for the record, that people who play games online or have uh, you know, play uh, cyber have cyber realities are automatic are part of the new age movement. I'm just saying that's one of the ways by which we can access this uh, change in consciousness, and it's really important that people realize that that that's one of the goals of the new age movement. Does that make sense? Well, I understand what you're saying. Does it make sense to me? Absolutely not. It seems so. It seems so wild to think in those terms. You know, as I compare this with Christianity, I keep saying you got to come back to origin, uh, in resurrection, and make those comparisons. I know there's a book written that I don't have enough. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Now, this is this is a, a sideline to that, but uh, it is really hard to understand how a person with a conscious mind could believe these particular things. Well, you know, here's what you have to realize is that the culture that we live in in the West has moved significantly in the last hundred years so that the idea of absolutes, of linear thinking, of, a, of a, some kind of a, of a supreme uh, law-giving God, those concepts have been lost to a lot of people's reality. They, they and, and that's the overlap of Eastern, of Eastern mysticism. That's the Eastern thinking, which is that there is no absolute. And, and Hinduism is really part of that because Hinduism has they they will say well you believe this this is your, oh I believe that too so they amalgamate all these different views and into one so Hinduism is really a smorgasbord of probably uh, every religion from uh, conservative Christian theology to uh, to the New Age movement. Well, what's ironic and you, you're making you're making this point is that. Eastern mysticism certainly is an origination point of this thinking that there are no absolutes, anything goes. But, as we talked about last uh, some of our earlier shows, so is naturalism. 
you know, naturalism is basically the worldview that says nature or matter is all that exists. There's no creator God. And so in a material system, there's no accountability. Uh, evolution is what is the force that drives things along. There's not a law-giving God. There's not an absolute God behind this. And so what's happening here is you're weaving together the naturalism of the West with the mysticism of the East, and you're ending up with this new age amalgamation, this new age blend, which leads to the fifth tenet or the fifth principle uh, espoused by the new age movement. And that is that all religions are one. Whether you're a Hindu or you're a Christian or you're a, a Jew or uh, you're a follower of Islam or you just, you're an atheist, you're a materialist, everything is in the process of becoming one. And if we can just help people understand that, if they can become enlightened, then the world is going to end up being in a better place. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the past, but you see where this goes in terms of Christians can't hold to that worldview. Christians can't say all religions are the same because we follow we follow a Christ who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's exclusivistic thinking. It's not this inclusivistic thinking that's part of this this new age amalgamation. So well, Christianity a, comes, we come at it from a logical standpoint, and Eastern religion is illogical. Uh, so there is no absolute, and we believe there is an absolute, and we are in search of that absolute and, and everything that relates to that absolute. And God's at the center of the absolute. So these are two diametrically opposed as far as the East is from the West, so to speak. Well, you know, I think our any followers of Eastern religions might take umbrage with you about saying that their religions are irrational. I think they would probably say they're trans rational. They, there's a logic embedded in a system, but the reality is above. It's an uber rationality, if I can quote our German friends. There's a sense in which what we, have to, what we can believe is beyond our ability to understand in totally a logical, rational, physical universe. We have to transcend that. You see why this is so murky and so hard to get your arms around, Ross. It's there's a there's a blending together of East and West that really does make this very challenging to understand and talk about. But there's a sixth tenet in new in the New Age movement that is especially troubling to me personally. And that is that there is a cosmic evolutionary optimism that's being offered by the New Age movement. See, in, in the old in the old Eastern mysticism, we all became part of a whole in which we lost our personal identity. Uh, Bob ceased to be Bob. Ross ceased to be Ross. We just became part of the overarching uh, part of part of this this existential supra existential world that we're living in. But in the new age thinking, we can now be part of that overarching oneness and yet still retain our individual identity and actually manipulate and change the universe. Now, this is what's new 
about the new age. Uh, but for this to happen, a shift has to occur. Uh, people have got to change the way they think and become part of this cosmic reality. And, um, and back to one of our former shows, I keep bringing us back to things we've talked about in the past, but the perfect one, this enlightened master, at some point is going to show up on the scene of the world and show us all how to become part of this overarching oneness. Now, Ross, if that sounds familiar, it is, because you're yeah, not talking about absolutely. this. That, that, that enlightened master, that, uh, the, that the imam that Islam is looking for, the Messiah that um, many people in the, in the Jewish faith are still looking for, that person is not the Christ of history that person is the Antichrist that Jesus spoke of. And right. so all of these all of these rivers are flowing together. And it's got some pretty sobering, even sinister overtones to it. Wow. So we see a lot of things coming together. Uh, I was thinking back about uh, you have to, it sounds like an, even in the New Age movement, they're saying that there has to be a faith. The faith is in something entirely different. Of course, in, the, in our Christian thinking, we have to have faith. There's enough uh, reality, there's enough logic, there's enough fact and data to get us to the precipice of belief, but it still takes that one step, that leap of faith to fully uh, accept, accept Christ. Well, you're making a great point in that faith is required in all of these perspectives. And faith must have some kind of an object. Uh, the faith that Christians put uh, or build their faith or their religion around is faith in one who revealed himself as the eternal creator God in the person of Jesus of Nazareth who claimed to be God and who was raised from the dead according to Scripture and according to what we talked about in the past, there were evidences of his resurrection, manifestations that support the faith of the New Age movement. Um, there are many people who follow uh, ascended masters or spirit guides and have been in touch with these beings that are in this other world, this invisible world, and they can, they can project themselves onto into other places. They're able to move objects around with telekinesis and other things. So it's not outside of evidence, but it's a different kind of evidence. Of course, you and I know that what Scripture teaches about that. It says that the God of this world, little g, God, blinds the eyes of those who don't believe in the true God, capital G, God. And... Um, Paul refers to him as an angel of light who's able to counterfeit this satanic God, who's able to counterfeit all kinds of miracles. And I think we're going to see a, an increasing manifestation of miracles coming out of the New Age movement in the days ahead. You know, it's interesting. I've seen on TV, seen on the Internet, some of these things that the magicians do. David Blaine and some of these others. And, and I saw one where this guy walks out into the middle of a river 
And I say, well, he's got rocks underneath there, and he knows exactly where the rocks are. You see someone who walks through a glass, and I say to myself, what is the trick behind that? How are they doing that? Because we know that neither of those things are possible. And then I step back and say, that's interesting. Is this little g, the god of this universe, enabling certain things to happen, and it actually is happening. I know that sounds kind of nutty, but maybe you could speak to that issue, Bob, your viewpoint. Well, I, think, I think that there are entertainers who are out there in the in the public arena that are, that you know, we've referred to them as magicians, but in actuality, they're illusionists. Right. They create these elaborate tricks that uh, are just really perception- uh, altering. We, we and, and some of the shows have revealed how they do some of those tricks. By the way, many of these illusionists are very, very, very protective of the the trickery behind their illusion. But but they say they're just illusions. They're just it's sleight of hand. It's the you know it, you know I can pull a quarter out of one of my grandchildren's ears because it's a sleight of hand movement. They can't see it happening. But there's another realm. And, and this is, and I know we're just about out of time today, Ross. But the magician is a different kind of artist, if you would call it that. There are magical arts that have been able to be accessed throughout the centuries that are tied back into the old paganism we talked about earlier. And these are not just illusions; these are powerful spiritual manipulations of the physical realm. So the invisible spiritual realm can affect the physical material realm. Jesus did miracles. Satan can also do miracles, but not the same kind of miracle. And so for our listeners, I think we're going to see more and more, not just sleight of hand illusions. We're going to see actual manifestations of the spirit realm affecting the physical realm in the days ahead. We need to be on guard against that. Well, Bob, I don't know if this is the place to end or this is the place to start. Certainly, we've opened up what may be a can of worms here, but uh, we've give, you've given us a great overview with these six points of, of this new age movement, and it gives us a lot to think about because it really is something that's permeating the entirety of our civilization today. So we have a lot to think about. We'll come back to some of these points again in future shows. We may even come back and do another show at the end of this, but uh, we hope our listeners will be back. We will, uh, we'll pick up here and we'll add some things to what we've talked about today. And we look forward to having you back. Thanks so much to JP and James Spann for the opportunity we have to do this show. Big Brains Media is a, a growing phenomenon across the country, and we're grateful to be a part of that. We ask you to go listen to some of the other shows. Go to bigbrainsmedia.com, and you can see all the shows listed there and listen to any of them on the website. And they, they are also available on iTunes. Bob, great to be with you again. Look forward to next week. Thanks a lot, Ross. This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by 
Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com.